The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection, a weekly radio show on leadership. And I'm very excited about today's particular show. Uh, a colleague of mine, Frank Wagner, from the Marshall Goldsmith Group, we're both uh, colleagues of Marshall's in, in uh, consulting practice and coaching practice, connected me with a gentleman named David Siegel. And it just so happens that I had this great conversation with David, and two things really struck me about our conversation. One, he was talking about things that I think about a lot. What is the changing nature of work And what is it going to look like in the next 10, 15 years? And the second thing is he talked about some of the myths that we have of what has worked in the past that is not necessarily true. And that actually by using good research, good data uh, and analytics, um, he kind of proved that some of these things really are not the kinds of practices that get the innovation and get the sustainability that organizations are really looking for. And I was intrigued by the conversation. And then I took a look at this model that he put together, which I thought was fantastic. So after reflecting on that, um, because my own beliefs are, and I'm not sure what this new era is, and I talked about this on last week's show, that we are entering a new era of work. At the turn of the century, we have always entered a new era of work because of some particular societal um, change or innovation. And now, as I'm thinking about it, just about everything that we've known in the past is being turned on its head in many, many ways. And that's going to have tremendous amount of impact on organizations' culture, on the workplace, on how we hire people, how we think about employment in general, and how we think about organizations in general, and what they're really going to look like in the future. And they're rapidly, rapidly changing. And some people are experimenting very well with new approaches. So I asked David to join me on today's show, and I think you're going to find it extremely enlightening. He's a terrific guy. He's the author of five books, most recently, Pull. I also like that he spent 20 years in Silicon Valley a while ago, but he's a great entrepreneur and he has a wonderful program that he's launching. Um, I believe you 
launched it today, David, in um, on the 10th today in uh, Zurich. And um, it is a fascinating opportunity to take leaders and get them together and rethink how they're doing business and recreate a new framework and new thought process that will really create sustainable organizations going forward. So, David, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Happy Thursday. Nice to be with you. Yes, it's terrific. So I'm, I'm really glad we were able to make this work. And um, my show last week, I had someone on from Mexico, someone else on from Texas, and uh, our producers in Phoenix, and I was in North Carolina. And so we had a uh, line drop there for a while, which got me a little fr- flustered. So unfortunately, I made some mistakes about one of my guests, um, uh, Rich Sheridan, who's going to be uh, coming on in early January, who is the CEO of Menlo Innovations and uh, is also wrote, wrote the book, book Joy, Inc., and he's from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And for some reason, because it was Menlo, I just decided it had to be California, which it's not. And I do know Rich, so I have to I have to apologize for that. And thank you for pointing that out to me, David. So let's get into your stuff right away. Um, everybody's talking about agility. And, you know, most people don't realize that agile is a technology term used to design and develop technology. And that's really where it came from. But everybody's sort of using that term. So let's talk about agility and your business agility workshop. What does it mean for an entire company to be agile? So what we find, Linda, is that there are kind of two worlds we live in. One is the mechanical world, where if you're building something repeatable, like a like an airplane, you know, it's step A, step B, there's a right way to do it. Uh, and you can use checklists and it's all fairly um, predictable awesome. in that world. But, but then we have complex adaptive systems, which is the world, say, of the, the market for that airplane. That's very different because when you're building an airplane, the airplane is not trying to keep you from building it. The airplane isn't working against you. The parts aren't working against you. But in the market and in real-world systems, in ecosystems like we have in business, uh, there are plenty of actors that are trying to work against you, and it gets much more complex. And cause and effect is not what we think. So my main thesis is that uh, it's not most things we know are not what we think. Most everything you know is wrong. You should check your assumptions and, uh, and really see if you're going after the right thing. And that's how Agile was born. Agile was born because of the failure rate of programming projects. Yep. 70% of projects fail, as I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yes. When you, when you study complex adaptive systems, you keep seeing this number over and over. 70% of people are disengaged at work. 70% of projects fail, I don't know if you're aware of this, 65% of mega projects, that's projects over a billion dollars, fail. The other 35% are late and over budget, but 65% of them fail. Most 70% of change initiatives fail. 80% of mergers fail and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we developed this, this culture of agile to go, to go fast 
and crank something out that we can test and keep building things we can test and keep checking in with reality, with the market, to see if you're building something that they want rather than planning and a lot of phases. And that has really worked in product development. My goal is to take it to take a lot of those same methodologies to the rest of the company besides IT or besides outside of project product development. Yeah, and a lot of people are doing that actually. A, a guy named Chris Worth, Worth Worley, you should um, you should contact him. He's over in France right now, and uh, he wrote the book uh, Agile of uh, the Agile Organization, and uh, he'd be a great contact for you. But um, I think a lot of those concepts really do apply, especially since, as you said, you know, there's so much unpredictability, and that's only going to increase as time goes on. So tell me a little bit about what your workshop's all about. What does somebody get by going to your sure. workshop? Sure. So I'm, I'm trying to address two problems. First, the pace of change is increasing. I think nobody's going to argue with that. Second, right. the people problems aren't getting any easier. Right. Uh, technology is maybe making some things easier, but the people problems don't get easier. Uh, so I have developed this framework of business agility that has uh, sort of 11 uh, areas of kind of re-looking at business, re-looking and rethinking how we approach business. Uh, I don't have to go through all of them, but the main, you know, the, the agile worldview, changing your view of the world from your own personal, uh, you know, anecdote and story-based worldview to a more evidence-based worldview uh, really helps you build a company that helps you make better top-level decisions. Then there's organizational design. I think we can agree that the organizational designs that are prevalent now probably won't be prevalent in 50 years. Yeah, and uh, let's do, of, let me ask you, uh, David, what do you see as yeah. the organizational design of the future? I mean, many organizations are going flat. They're starting to rethink their whole management structure. What, what, what's your view? Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot more organic. And, you know, we have a problem with engagement. And I think a lot of the problem with engagement is the structure of the system people are in. I don't think it's the people. I was listening to your commentators from last week saying they're talking about accountability and about uh, right. you know, how many people are not switched on or they're, they take their blamers. But, but I think a lot of the time it's the boss. Uh, you know, as Jeffrey Pfeffer says, 35% of people in the United States would be happy to forego a raise in exchange for seeing their boss fired. Yeah, I think that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. Thing, I think that's probably true. And I do think that the command and control, which I said in, in, in the last show, that the command and control um, leadership style is wildly prevalent, even in face of all of the work that we've done to try and convince people that that's not what really works in an organization, which leads me to your next question. You know, you sent me a great article from Harvard um, uh, about, you know, leadership and, uh, you know, it's just sort of luck in business. And so t- t- tell me about that. Uh, is this about, this is Yerker Denrell. Right. right. I'm a fan of Yerker Denrell. So let's go right to leadership. Yes. Uh, leadership is a, is a $14 billion industry. 
coincidentally about the same size as the prostitution industry in the United States, with essentially negative return on the investment yeah. made on leadership. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit more of it after the break, but there's almost no evidence for most of the programs and for the, you know, trainings people give on leadership. There's, it doesn't, the question is, does it, isn't, does it inspire or entertain people? The question is, does it work? It does uh, make, does work it make better leaders. And that's questionable. I mean, I've seen evidence uh, and data that I've collected personally that has shown that certain developmental opportunity, like coaching, if somebody's open to it, has made better leaders. But we're at break, uh, David, so let's let's cut out and um, stay with us. We're talking to David Siegel, a really thought-provoking, innovative entrepreneur, talking about the organizations of the future. And we're going to be delving more into leadership after the break. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. Powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. Game-Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection. And with me today is David Siegel, and we're having a wonderful conversation about uh, agile organizations and leadership of the future. And actually, we were talking about a great Harvard article and, uh, you know, the fallacy of all this training that we've done to create leaders who are uh, more people focused, more less command and control, 
related. And it, according to David, it doesn't seem to have worked significantly. So let's get back into that topic, David. Let me do a thought experiment with you, Linda. Uh, I'm holding in my hand a book. And in this book, this is a very special book. This book is full of uh, exclusive interviews of the world's top 100 lottery winners. These are people who've won at least $50 million each. And these, each chapter is about a person who's won the lottery and with in-depth on how this person has won the lottery tips, explanations, checklists, everything you need to know about how they won the lottery. This book only going to cost you $5,000. Would you buy this book? Uh, would I buy this book? Yeah, I, maybe. Tips on how to win the lottery. Fact. Lottery. All, everything in the book is factual and fact-checked. Yeah. $5,000. Yeah. Really? So what's the answer? <laughs> These these are just anecdotes of how people chose some numbers and then got lucky. I mean, you're interviewing the winners. Yeah, most That's what most leadership books are. Look at yourself. Jim Collins, Tom Peters, all these people who look at the winners, tell the stories, tell the seven to nine common things they have in common, you know, their tricks or their, their habits. Uh, these people are very, very good at being gurus and being uh, stage, having stage presence, but they're very bad at statistics. Because if you only tell the story of the winners, you're forgetting about mean reversion. Right, exactly. Um, in fact, if you just interview people who get lucky, they will always take the credit for it and say that there's yeah. cause and effect, but yeah. in fact there isn't. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you a funny story, David, because it fits right into exactly what you're saying is, you know, the General Electric Company was wildly successful for 20 years uh, and yeah. largely because of, and I, and I was there. So I, I you know, yeah. from what I speak and uh, largely it was wildly successful because GE Capital was making money, minting money for the, for the company hand over fist because the markets were so great at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily because we were so smart uh, or smarter than anybody else. It's that, you know, we, we had the opportunity to, uh, you know, leverage the capital of, of, of a very successful company to keep its balance sheet really healthy. And it wasn't necessarily that Jack was so brilliant. <laughs> and, you know, people right. used to laugh about that, actually. No, he was brilliant. Right. But. This is the halo effect. When things are going well, everyone takes credit. And we don't look enough at failure. So I want to talk about one person who has studied failure, and that's Yerker Denrell. For your audience, his his name is Yerker, J-E-R-K-E-R, Denrell. He studies failure. And I want to read you four sentences he has written on one of his papers about failure. It's, It's fascinating. It won't take too long. So. The organizations that can be observed at any point in time are survivors of a selective process that has eliminated a large fraction of the underlying population. In addition, there is a strong tendency to focus on successful organizations in books and the business press. As a result, the available sample of organizations usually undersamples failure. This can contribute to a variety of false beliefs about effective management. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I, I highly recommend that people look up Yerker Denrell and study his work because he's the guy who's trying to put the whole story together with evidence rather than cherry picking the, from the successful ones. Yeah, that's that's an interesting premise. I uh, I like that. I like that. So tell me about your latest book, Paul. <laughs> Paul is about setting your company up to uh, as a poll platform so that anybody can pull from it rather than pushing products and services down the pipeline and through the supply chain. Uh, this is something that, that has been dragging media companies kicking and screaming through this transition for the last 15 years. And many companies are sort of on the cusp of it and don't really realize the extent to which they're going to have to set up for pull rather than be masters of push. Interesting. And how do they set up for pull? Right. So the book was actually about the data part of it. How do you set your data up? How do you create data ecosystems that work much, much better than today's? Uh, many examples in the book on, on how we could use data about 100 times better than we're using it now. Uh, and my yeah. current work is on, the, is on the leadership and management part of that. How do you set up a company to be, let's call it, let's call it everything as a service. What does that mean? Now, every part of the company is available as a service to any partner or person who wants to get. You don't have to know somebody there. You don't have to be in charge of the budget. You can just go to that part of the company that, that say, that capability and negotiate and sort of read their manual and learn how to pull uh, their services from them. Uh, and this is really going to change a lot of companies. That's a, that's a hugely innovative idea. Is anybody organized Everything that way? Is a service. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, you know, that's really from, um, it's like SaaS, you know, software as a service and all of that. But right. what, what um, has anybody organized themselves that way that you know of, David? Yeah, yes. Amazon is organized that way. You don't really do handshake deals and everything is one-off. It's all set up as a service. Whatever you have to offer other people in the company, there's an API for that. And they can come and plug in and take what they need whenever they want. Uh, there's going to be a lot more good examples of that. And the companies that do it best will be flat. And the yeah. matrix organization, the matrix organization isn't a bad concept, but what happens is that the leaders in their practice areas, the vertical parts, tend to own it and tend to think of it as their, their territory. And that has to change because the horizontal idea is right to set up services that anybody can use. But you want to really blur the lines between the various practice areas that are, say, the experts and all of your customers and their customers so that everything ties together better and we create real ecosystems that work together instead of in silos. It's interesting that you mentioned Amazon. Uh, you know, there's been a lot in the press about Amazon. I've talked about it a lot. And, um, you know, yeah. most of us from from senior leaders from GE know the uh, head of HR there, Tony Galbato. And um, it's gotten a very bad rap for its culture, though. You know, some people called it the hunger games of uh, corporate America. <laughs> it's very complex. And some people love working there. Some people find it exhausting. Uh, it's not just what one person writes in a 7,000-word article in the New York Times. Uh, but it's a very effective organization. 
Um, I probably wouldn't want to work there myself. I'd rather yeah. work for Richard Sheridan uh, at uh, Menlo Innovations any day. But and and, and uh, if you talk to Richard about everything as a service, he'll say that's exactly what we have. More and more companies yeah. of any size are finding that they they can organize in a way that offers up whatever they have as a service, so anybody can draw from it. Uh, whether whether Amazon is right for any particular person, I'll leave that to to each person to decide. Yeah. So what is that going to mean for, for leadership and management in the future? Yeah, leadership is highly overrated. I'm serious. Uh, and uh, Jeffrey Pfeffer, in his new book, Leadership BS, is serious that we're, we're putting too much into building leaders and not enough into just focusing on culture that has fluid leadership. You know, when, when the territory is very uneven and uh, uncertainty and unpredictability are what you look at when you look in the future. It's better to have a, a, a lot of different kinds of people around to have diversity and let people rise to the occasion as the situation, as the conditions require. So get rid of the people with their expert vision. Here's a good example. At Hewlett-Packard, they, they ship a lot of printers at Hewlett-Packard. And they have expert predictors for, you know, who, who forecast the number of printers they have to make every quarter to keep up with demand, to match demand. And those forecasts are important, right? If you make too many, you've got too much inventory. If you don't make enough, you leave money on the table. And then they, then they did something interesting. They created a prediction market inside the company where you get points and you can win trips or prizes. And there's a leaderboard for better predicting the number of printers they're going to ship. And that prediction market does far better than the experts every time. So the crowd, the wisdom of the crowd inside of HP, just on their, on their spare time, uh, outdoes the experts every time. So yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because you, you probably know that I, I, I worked at HP for a, a good period of yeah. time. And, and part of what drove that was inventory control. But we are at a break and stay with us. We're talking to David Siegel, uh, a really breaking the glass conversation about some of the beliefs that we had. I still am not sure that leadership doesn't make a difference because I, I, I really want to say, you know, GE is known for its leadership and it's weathered so much because of that. So I do think that there's an equation around leadership, but I want to explore that a little bit more with you, uh, David, when we come back and break. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. Powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. 
Game Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Today, our world is faced with complex challenges that present massive potential risks. Conflict, misunderstanding, misalignment of organizations and their leadership, lost productivity, wasted time, and wasted resources resulting from limiting perspectives, distraction, and hardline positions are damaging our today and our future. The monetary cost of such failures is in the billions. Stop wasting time. Make a shift. Engage with host David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration, Thursdays at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and with me is David Siegel, entrepreneur, uh, forward thinker, uh, really exciting individual to talk with, written five books, uh, the latest being Pull. I highly recommend that you get a copy of it, uh, talking about uh, data and analytics and, and, and how you can use that to really be more predictive. Uh, I have not read the book, but I am going to get a copy of it. Um, <laughs> So what we were just talking about was, you know, the equation of leadership and how uh, organizations being more service as an uh, 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 as as a you know plug and play kind of situation, and the fact that leadership is going to be much more fluid, it kind of strikes me that you know people have written about that in the past, David. I mean, you know, you had situational leadership, you had. Uh, you know, everybody's the leader at some point. Everybody's got to rise to the occasion, all of that. And then you talked about having a culture. And so, you know, all the research and all the data has pointed to that leaders really are the drivers of what the organizational culture is all about. And their behavior is what dictates the culture and the values that are the underpinnings of the organization. So I don't know that you can separate leadership and culture. Mm-hmm. I would love to challenge that. I think it's great. I think there, yeah, I think there are places where certainly that's a big deal. Uh, if you ever had 10 minutes with Steve Jobs, uh, you would know that that was probably a fairly unpleasant 10 minutes. In general, uh, leaders often don't make good managers at all. Uh, and as Jeffrey Pfeffer Certain points out. Certain leaders don't make good managers. Certain leaders don't make good managers. And those are people, I mean, Steve Jobs was a d- default leader. I mean, he wasn't hired to be the leader of the company. He was the entrepreneur. You know, he was the cult. Name, name a leader who's a great manager. Well, I could think of, I could think of, uh, uh, well, I think Richard Sheridan is a great leader. I think Suhail Ben-Taraf at, um, at, um, 
Uh, Tan Feith is a great leader. I think uh, Margaret Keene at Synchrony uh, is a great leader. And, and I, I, they have some unique characteristics. There, I think there are a few. And they, they tend to be uh, more foxy than hedgehog, more foxes than hedgehogs. Do you know that term, the fox and the hedgehog? Yeah, but enlighten the the the, the listeners. Too. Yeah, the, the hedgehog is the person who has an idea and hammers it and tries to change the world with it and goes for it no matter what. And the fox changes his mind when he gets new information and takes little incremental steps and watches for signals that he's wrong and listens to other people. These are very different styles. And right. I think that I the foxy uh, people tend to have be much better predictors. We know that of predictions yep. of the future and they tend to be successful more often. Although many of the wild successes are driven by hedgehogs who just won't let go. But we don't see all the hedgehogs who are stubborn and, and pushing as hard as they can and they don't make it. <laughs> Most yeah. of them don't. So the history is written by the winners. That doesn't mean that being a jerk <laughs> is the right way uh, to, to, to lead your company just because a bunch of other successful companies are led by jerks. Well, now we have found common ground because I, uh, you know, I, I have to tell you, you know, in our book, Winning with Trans Global Leader, we did a lot of research of uh, a lot of leaders around the world. And, and they were quite a uh, cross section. And we compared them to a database of about 5,000 leaders who are global, some good, some bad, and tried and, and differentiated what were the things that really made great global leaders. And one of them was that they were using your term, foxy. In other words, they were very much um, engaged in collecting data information and, uh, you know, were not dogmatic at all. They really adjusted. Um, mm -hmm. uh, no matter where they were, they took in new information and were willing to make personal adjustments in just about everything uh, to be uh, to help others be successful. And they were really more focused on others than they were uh, on themselves. So it's, you know, it is a different style of leadership. But there's been also research, uh, David, that says that people want leaders. So how do you reconcile that? Yeah, I think look at these companies that are called Teal by Frederick Lilu, you know, the companies that have really no titles and no levels and no management at all. Um, they, these companies, that, you know, uh, W.L. Gore, uh, there, there are a number of them, and, and they're doing pretty well without big-time leaders because people work in groups. It's, it's like an ant colony more, you know. People, sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow. Uh, you build a system. You'll talk with Richard Sis Sheridan about a system that does most of the leading and most of the management. Uh, at, their, at their office, you know, there really kind of aren't any leaders and aren't any managers. It's just a system that does the work. It's a kind of a Kanban system. I'm a big proponent of Kanban for sort of running the day-to-day -day who does what and prioritizing. Uh, and once you have a system like that, I think there's a lot less need for the kind of baton-wielding impresario because uh, you can more follow the market and the signals. Look, how does Google do it? Uh, the, you know, look at Sergey and Larry. Most of what they do is experiment. They, they do yep. more than 10,000 controlled experiments a year at Google and much of that is just, you know, people trying things and they're 20% free time. Look how agile that is. They're just trying random things, see what works, 
put fuel on the ones that work and pull back from the ones that aren't working so well. That's pretty agile, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would absolutely agree with you. Though they do have leaders and managers there for sure. And they have a, you know, they've done a lot of research and study on, on their leaders and managers, and they have a, a predictive model of who really works well in uh, who is a, works well as a Googler, so to speak. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting point. I, I, I think that it is going to change how people lead. And I think that the old models of leadership, which is what you're talking about, are um, just not going to survive. They can't survive. And they're, and they're going to have to be entirely different. Now, these are things that people have talked about for a long time, but I think that the makeup of change in the world and what's going on in terms of demographics and the need to embrace diversity and all of these other kinds of things are going to require people to do things differently. They're just not going to have a choice anymore. Before they could get away with it, now they can't. So tell Wouldn't me about that, that at Google, it's, it's much more servant leadership. Uh, is it? Uh, are you saying is it much more servant leadership? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it is, too. But I can't, um, you know, it depends. Again, it's like uh, Amazon. It depends on who you talk to. You know, I, I, I mm-hmm. just moved from Silicon Valley myself about uh, a year ago, and I, I lived right down the road from Google. So I knew a lot of Googlers. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's, we all know it's very different being inside a company, you know, and what people say outside and what you actually experience. Sure. But sure. so I, I, I really wouldn't want to make that comment. So let me ask you this, Dave. Let's, let's go back to, to your course and, and tell me, you know, what does somebody get out of the course? Tell, tell, me, tell me what you cover and what people learn and how they've used sure. your work. Well, it's about. It's about three days of material, so it's a, it, you're not going to get it all in one bite. There are about 35 modules or something, but it's about getting an agile worldview for people at the top and for people uh, who are managing uh, organizational design we discussed, attract and retain good people. Let's use evidence to attract and retain good people. If you are doing an annual or semi-annual performance review, for example, that's not part of it. Uh, we don't have any evidence that that's particularly effective and you could actually do it the other way at google they they do a review of the bosses but they don't do a review of the employees make better decisions i have a whole thing uh thing on decision science people don't know enough about decision science uh in fact i recommend listeners go to smartorg.com smartorg.com and watch some of their amazing videos on how to apply decision science to the everyday working of their company Run experiments. Uh, forget about the planning. Um, phase one, phase two, phase three. That's it. Never gets past phase one without tremendous change. So, so do experiment. Experiment your way to finding success. If you're in an uncertain, uh, complex, adaptive system kind of market, experiments are going to work better than planning. Uh, I do have a whole thing on leadership. Uh, mostly the, the bottom line of which is I think that that leadership is overrated and that we, we, if we adopt a style of leadership, it has to be much more fluid and much more um, systems-oriented and service-oriented. Then yeah. I have a, a, something about lean versus agile because so many companies have bought off on lean, lean Six Sigma, lean everything. We're a lean or, you know, you can't, you'd be embarrassed if you didn't say you were lean now. 
Um, and that, that's kind of, it gets in the way of agility, right? A lean is about optimization and driving the inefficiency out. But that doesn't let you be more agile. It's the opposite. It's more about innovation and change. Balance these two. Right. Yeah. I think you know, really I, I, think, I think we need to have, in many cases, when the future is uncertain and when we have to innovate and do things we've never done before, lean is a liability. Lean is great when things are repeatable and not so great when things are uncertain. So that's where the agile part comes in. And you can create agile processes within a company that hand off to lean processes where things are more known. And that's the balance right. that companies should be going for. Uh, right. Sorry, I said I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, there there are certain organizations, like you say, I don't want an aircraft engine uh, experimented with on a plane that I'm flying on. You know, so you have to use some predictable processes and certain things, but that doesn't mean that uh, you know you can't use agile in really creating what the plane of the future may look like. Exactly. That maybe we'll have self-flying planes that have no pi- no pilots at all. Uh, you're going to have to experiment your way to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are at break again. And David, I've had a uh, uh, question emailed into me for you. And uh, when we get back from break, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, it's about culture, and I know uh, you had sent me some stuff on your essay called The Culture Deck, and uh, I don't think the listener knew about this, but I'd love for you to talk about it since their question is, how do you create an agile culture? So stay with us. We're talking to David Siegel. We're going to be talking about how you create a culture of agility. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. Powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. Game Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Today, our world is faced with complex challenges that present massive potential risks. Conflict, misunderstanding, misalignment of organizations and their leadership, lost productivity, wasted time, and wasted resources resulting from limiting perspectives, distraction, and hardline positions are damaging our today and our future. The monetary cost of such failures is in the billions. Stop wasting time. Make a shift. Engage with host David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration, Thursdays at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm talking to David Siegel, and we are having a really, uh, I would say, an, an, an interesting and exciting conversation around the, the future of work and the impact of agility on the workplace and sort of debunking some of the myths that exist out there about leadership, um, not all of which I uh, buy, but I will say, as we're having more conversation about this, I think we're on the same page relative to the types of leaders that we're going to need in the future. And it is not the leadership model of the past. You know, the hedge uh, hogs, as uh, David described them, are going to be things of the past. You know, the um, patents of the world are going to be things of the past. And we're going to be need to be so much more flexible and so much more open and so much more uh, op- open in general to how things can be done, not how things are supposed to be done. And there's a big difference. So, David, a question got uh, emailed in about um, about culture, and we were talking about the connection of leadership and culture. And the person wanted to know, um, what kind of culture do you need in order to have an agile organization? Mm-hmm. And I know you've written an essay on the called The Culture Deck, and, and you know, why don't, why don't we talk about that for a few minutes? Sure. Yeah, people can just look it up. The culture deck. It's a uh, 24 aspects of culture. So I have it broken down so that you can look at each of those 24 aspects and say, Hey, here's one. Like, let's fix meetings, or let's create more autonomy, or uh, let's let's put in a kanban system, or how about let's work in pairs? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine two people, one computer, one keyboard, one mouse? That sounds crazy. For two people to work with one, I mean, computers cost nothing, right? But more in companies, and you'll you'll find out when you talk to Richard Sheridan that it is remarkably effective. We're getting more and more evidence that things like working in pairs and using a Kanban system are phenomenally effective. And if you make that part of your culture, I, I know companies and places where people won't work without a pair. They will not work on their own. They're not allowed to work in some companies without a pair. And it's far more effective for many kinds of work. Um, so by breaking it down into all these small aspects, you can just take one and experiment with it and try to move it forward. It doesn't have to be a big culture project with uh, big consultants and phases. It just takes some of these areas and try to uh, be, maybe be a little less lean, a little more agile, try to uh, stop relying on experts so much uh, change the way you hire a little bit and do an experiment, those kinds of things. Yeah, I think that that's really, uh, those are really important points, actually. Um, so how does somebody get a hold of you, David? Oh, I'm If they want to go to your workshop. Businessagilityworkshop.com. I'm setting workshops up here for Europe 
this spring, and I'd love to hear from people who would like to set one up, either for a company or for you know help me set one up in a city in the United States. Uh, I'm, I'm dying to get back to the States and bring some of this work to the States. I think autonomy is kind of the one of the key drivers here of how things will be done in the future, and we can get there step by step without it. You know, you heard about Tony Shea and Zappos, and they went to the big Holocaust thing. It was kind of like flipping yeah. a big switch. Right? Yeah. 600 people left. Yeah, I don't recommend that. <laughs> right, right. I, th- I think you can do it very incrementally right from where you are. And almost no one will notice the subtle changes that come on. But six months later, it will be like, wow, that's, you know, people are much more energized now that we're using a Kanban system, a Kanban system yeah. for the whole company. It's going to change things a lot. You can you don't even have to have a big speech about culture. That will change things all by itself. Yeah, I, you know, I I think that's really an interesting point because once you tell and you say to people, you know, we know now from neuroscience, you say to people, well, you know, we've really got to change, and people yeah. go inward. They get scared. It's it, it causes fear. Yeah. But just doing subtle things slowly uh, and. And and not saying much about it, moving people forward and giving people more autonomy and I, I, those those are all really important things. I I really agree with you there. You know, it strikes me one of the things that you're talking about is this whole notion of um, even though we are going to be and continue to be so technologically, the issue of relationships is going to become more and more important. People want mm-hmm. to work. And, I, and that's what I hear you saying, and I think that's very exciting. So one final thought, David. One final thought mm-hmm. for our listeners. Okay, 70% of people are unmotivated or disengaged at work, right? Are, are these bad people? Are they lazy? They're not. They're victims of the system, I think. I think you will yeah. be amazed at what people will do if you give them a chance. Give them more yeah. responsibility. Get more out of their way. And let them make decisions lower down and work in the value zone with customers to create value. And stop sending the questions up and handing the answers down. You'll be amazed at what people can do. It's amazing. And I totally agree with you. It's been my life's experience as well. And uh, I thank you so much for being with me today, David. And, you know, I hope people go to your website. What what was it? Business uh, Business Workshop. Dot com. Business Agility Workshop.com. Get David's book, Pull. Um, I'm going to get a copy of it. I'm fascinated to read it, and uh, I didn't have a chance actually before the show, which is rare for me. I usually read people's books before I have them on, but this was great that we were able to put this together. So thank you so much, David, and we will stay connected. Thank you, Linda. Well, so stay with us coming up. Next week, we have uh, some best selling authors. Uh, Corey Kogan, again, who wrote uh, The Five Choices, Path to Extraordinary Productivity. Jason Jennings uh, and uh, Morag Barrett, all are best-selling authors, and are talking about the predictions for the future. And this is something that's, as you can tell from the series that I'm doing, is something that is near and dear Uh, to my heart. I think we really have to rethink these things, which is why I think David was so important. Uh, Discussion today, um, frankly, 
we could do another show with David. There'd be so much interesting things and probably we'll do that. But this is what we have to do. We have to start breaking some of the paradigms that we have. And we have to start rethinking how we organize ourselves, how we interact with each other, because the world is changing in ways that we're never going to be able to control or anticipate. And it's got to factor into how we organize our leaders, how we think about leadership, how we think about cultures, how we think about work, how we think about compensation, all of those things that were outgrowths uh, for a wonderful time and for a long time, but either need to change or need to be tweaked for this next century. So I think it's going to be a great show coming up. And then after that, we're going to be doing some things with some CEOs who have put in place some very interesting uh, approaches. We've already talked to some of them, but we're going to have Richard Sheridan, the author of Joy Inc. and CEO of Menlo Innovations. And I'm very, very excited to have uh, Richard. And we're going to be talking to him in early January. And then we're going to be focusing early part of next year on things that you can do as the leader to make sure that you and your organization are prepared for all of these changes. So stay with us. Thank you for listening. I've so enjoyed such a great audience. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.